You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Visit JabberjawMedia.com for more shows like this one. Hey, what's up, everyone? I'm Matt Migaki, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians. We talk all about their lives and music while sharing killer craft beers. If you've ever wanted to sneak backstage and share a beer with one of your favorite musicians, well, Vox and Hops is the podcast for you. This week on the podcast, I had an amazing conversation with Morgan Lander and S.J. Jones about Kitty Pig. There is this episode and over 450 other ones to help you enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. So what are you waiting for? It's time to become a Vox and Hops head. Cheers! That's right. We are back with another X-Men podcast audio program. <laughs> Welcome to the show. I'm your host, Doc Coyle. It's been a couple weeks. Had to take last week off, guys. Your boy was too busy. I was on a film set somewhere in the desert, east of Los Angeles, in Nevada, can't talk too much about it, but you know, you've probably seen some, some postings here and there. You know, I don't like to hype it up too much. You know, did, did some acting, uh, third time I've done something for this particular film. There's been some, a lot of changes, but you guys know how much I, I love film and am a movie nerd. And so opportunities like this are, are really cool. You know, I did some acting when I was in middle school, did some plays, did some improv, and I really loved it back then. You know, but I, I think there's a corollary between all performing, be, be it on stage or, you know, with, with a band or acting or, you know, the stage of life, that is. And I have to say, you know, the, the part I had was heavy, you know, it was a very sad kind of somber um, role and acting, film acting, at least not that I can say like I have this wealth of experience, but it's uh, it requires a lot of focus and kind of emotional intent, and it's it's draining. You know, the days are long. I mean, we were we were on set that day for twelve hours, and director was amazing guy uh, Samuel Gonzalez, awesome dude, um, great director, really detail oriented, and um, you know around some very professional actors. So it's you know it's it's, it's funny because. You know, a couple of musicians got, got cast in this film. And it's just interesting because you just, they, they cast you, you know, not like an audition or anything. And they just, you know, they send you your lines, you show up, and they just expect you to be like, boom. There's no like, you're a musician curve. <laughs> but, but no, I, I take it really seriously and I find it really challenging. And that's the, th- the element of it that is, I don't know, compelling to me. The fact that it's actually kind of hard for me, at least maybe for some people, it's, it's, it's a lot easy, a lot easier, but it kind of, the process is really fascinating because I find myself in like the social media era, era trying to, and especially in a, in a form like this, right. Doing a podcast of 
being and triangulating my most real self, you know, like getting around the facade and the lies that we, that we tell because acting really, we think about people being naturals at acting, but we all act every day, right? You're mad as hell. You going to work and you, you act like you're happy. <laughs> you got people in a, in a sad, unhappy relationship and they, they act like everything's all right. Or someone tells you, ask you, Oh, do I look fat in this dress? And you know, you act like they are, they are, they're fine. And you know, we're, you know, I, you know, it's like, what's the line between, uh, lying and acting or putting on a front. It's a, it's a really weird thing. So me, I spend all this time trying to be my most authentic self and then acting, you have to be something else, but then bring authenticity to it. It's, it's, it's a, it's a weird head game. Uh, especially I guess for me, you know, I'm, you know, about to turn 40 and you, you know, you have, you know, I'm, I feel like I'm, I'm in tune with my authentic self. So anyway, it's just, it's just very, very peculiar, but challenging and fun. And I, and I'm grateful, uh, to everyone that, that had me involved and, and hopefully I can, I can do some things like that in the future. Cause like I said, I, I love film and I want, I want to be involved in any way possible. And as many things, I, I do too many things. And speaking of that, that's part of the reason why I took off last week. I needed a break just one week, but I have plenty of shows lined up. Um, one thing I want to talk about, I just relaunched my web store on www.coil.net, you know, and I don't really try and sell you guys a bunch of stuff on here because, you know, that's just, that's not really do outside of the, the sponsors that I have, uh, which usually just a band, but you know, I give you guys this show for free and I don't really ask you guys too much, but if you can go over there, you know, I have some X-Men t-shirts, buy, buy one for maybe a friend that listens to the show or, or likes the show or buy it for someone just help me. I'm starving over here. No, I'm just kidding. I'm not starving, but no, I would really appreciate it. Uh, we have the X-Men podcast t-shirt and then we also have the dot coil forever committed, committed forever to being in some band <laughs> t-shirt where I'm making the De Niro face. It's hilarious. The kids will love it. And then I got these custom guitar pick packs made up from Dunlop picks. You know, it's Jim Dunlop. That's my man. You know, they make the wah pedals and they, they make my guitar picks. And they made this whole thing. I got a little custom tin called the Dot Coil Collection. Just got that this week. That shit's going to fly off the shelves, all right? Dotcoil.net, all right? Go to the shop, hook me up, and hook yourself up, all right? I feel I feel bad, like, yelling at you guys. Um, you know, but uh, we also have, we have another, we have another sponsor. This show, this week, is brought to you again by War Machine Marketing. And don't let that name totally fool you. It's really War Machine Marketing. It's, it's my, my main man, Ro Coley, who will be on the show. Uh, he used to do street team stuff and marketing for Roadrunner Records and Century Media Records. And his company, War Machine Marketing, are creators of branded merchandise for all budgets. They deal with over 2 million products. So if you need items for pre-sales, web stores, tour merchandise, or custom items, they've got you covered. They even do personalized custom action figures, which are the biggity bomb. They're so cool. Like you can get your own like GI Joe or get one for like your girlfriend and have her, you know, with as a stormtrooper or something. It's really cool. And they have from t-shirts to backdrops for bands, you know, you need backdrop, anything else that you want a logo on it. They pride themselves on pricing and customer service and they'll make sure you get your items when you need them on budget and they look incredible. 
Come on, guys. Their clients include Queens of the Stone Age, Foo Fighters, the world-famous Whiskey A Go-Go in Hollywood, Stern Pinball IGN, American Heart Association, take care of that heart, and many, many, many more. So, if you want some stuff, and I know you do, check out their extensive item search at warmachinemarketing.com or email Roe, the homie from New Jersey, you know what I'm saying? At Roe, that's R-O, at warmachinemarketing.com. War Machine Marketing merch is your weapon. Choose your weapon. Yes. So, thank you to them for sponsoring the show, and please support the sponsors that support this show. It means the world to me and to them. And with that, we also have a band sponsor this show like we do pretty much every week and we have an awesome band from tampa florida i believe and they're called the chase signal and we're going to play a song entitled if the antidote was real check it out
Greetings from Evergreen Podcasts. We're rolling out a listener survey, and we want to hear from you. The information in the survey will help us gather statistics and in turn make our shows more appealing to advertisers. I know most people don't like ads, but this is one of the only ways our shows make money and help keep their lights on. We promise it will only take a few minutes, but the impact on our podcasts will be tremendous. As a token of our appreciation, we'll randomly select one lucky participant each month to win an exclusive merchandise package from Evergreen Podcasts. Head to evergreenpodcast.com slash listener survey to help a show and possibly get some free stuff for doing so. We can't thank you enough for the support. Now back to the show. Hey, you. Do you have any plans this year? Ha! How's that going? Do you get 2020? Well, welcome to a brand new podcast called 2020, where myself, Benny Goodman, and my good friends, Corey Pazin and Siobhan Cronin from the band Lost Symphony, also got 2020. And since the world ended this year, we decided why not just check in with some of our friends in the music industry and see how everyone's doing. We're going to get a candid look at life on and off the stage, as well as the mindset of some of the most successful people in the entertainment industry. New episodes drop every Sunday and Wednesday at 9 p.m. Eastern. And you can listen at Tuesday. 020-D.com, SoundTalentMedia.com, or on your favorite podcast app. Hey, this is Steve Choi, host of the Musicians Guild podcast, part of the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. Within the four walls of the Musicians Guild, we'll be discussing the habits, idiosyncrasies, experiences, and general psychology of my friends and peers, all involved with music in various capacities. Listen and subscribe at SoundTalentMedia.com. So that track was entitled If the Antidote is Real by The Chase Signal. I thought it was a cool song, especially like the bridge. The bridge was my favorite part of that song. I like the way it built, built up. A little lead in there. Very tasty. And uh, yeah, so that is actually off a EP that they have out right now from the same name, The Antidote is Real. And you can check that out anywhere where you stream music, including Apple Music, Spotify, you know where to go. And uh, just to let you know, the band actually just re- released a new merch line. You can go over to their website, uh, thechasesignalmerch.com. And most of their stuff revolves around their Facebook, facebook.com backslash thechasesignal, Twitter at thechasesignal, IG, TikTok, all the same and if you want to save 20 percent on their merch store please use the discount code xman20 and uh yeah check the band out tell them dot coil sent you and if you would like to sponsor an episode of the x-man please just hit me up on social media just drop a dm or you can email me at the x-man podcast at gmail.com and remember that is e x okay business out of the way we do have a guest this week, and I have to say, this is one of the more monumental guests for me personally, uh, Peter Dolving, uh, ex-singer of The Haunted, and he's done so many, that's what he's most known for, but you know, you'll know, you see how, as we talk, he's done so many things. I mean, the guy has, I mean, I don't even know how many how many records he's done with with different bands and solo stuff. It's, it's really quite prolific, but um, to me, he is the exact kind of person that I started this show to talk to. And he and I got close uh, a little over 11, 12 12 years. No, I'm sorry, like 15 years ago. Good Lord, getting old. And uh, (laughs) But 
The Haunted, uh, his old band, you know, was really one of the most influential metal bands for me and God forbid ever. And to kind of develop a personal relationship, share a tour bus, get to know him and understanding you know, how complex of a person Peter is. And in recent years, you know, been fairly reclusive, you know, and we, we've been in touch about doing something like this. He was in L.A., you know, when I first moved here, he visited and we talked about doing something, you know, maybe even do, like starting your own podcast because, he, you know, as you as you know, if you ever read his uh, old Facebook and MySpace posts he used to do, you know, he's definitely not short for words and opinions. And that's exactly why I wanted him on, on the show, you know, because of that giant personality and those great big opinions, but also, you know, this this massive artistry and talent and kind of expressiveness that only a few people like him possess. So it was for me a real accomplishment because he's not out there doing a million interviews. So, and when you connect that to your personal journey, it kind of makes it that much more impactful. So, so, so for me, this is a real kind of touchstone moment for the show and it just makes me excited and, and proud. And I'm, and I'm re really happy uh, to call Peter friend and, and thankful that he took the time to do this. And I think you guys are really going to enjoy it. If you're, you're a fan of his work, this is really the conversation for you. So I'm going to shut up. Well, at least this part, I'm going to talk a little more on the other end, but <laughs> I'm going to shut up with my intro. And uh, I think you guys are really going to enjoy this conversation with the great Peter Dolving. I'm so excited is like very meaningful first i just want to thank you like seriously from the bottom of, of my heart for for taking your time um you know i know how busy you are and how, how much you have going on you're you know your guy likes to do his thing and i just um it just means a lot to me i just, I just want you to know that well thank you thank you yeah so so how are you, how you doing buddy uh now good uh, it's been it's been rough <laughs> yeah. So where where are you? Where are you right now? Right now I'm in in, in Gothenburg, Sweden. Okay. Uh, and uh, it's been wow. Yeah, it's been a hell of a kind of kind of kind of kind of little little kind of tour around the world after I got after I left the haunted. Um, I I found out I had had a really really bad back uh, injury. Uh, it's been, you know, it's been something that's kind of, kind of escalated over the years. Mm -hmm. And I, I knew, I knew the game was kind of up, uh, but I really didn't know how bad I was back in, back in, you know, even 2009, I fell off a stage back in 2009 uh, backwards. And I, 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 I came across like with my back over, over PA cables, you know, you, you, and like three meters, just free fall, bang. And we were touring so hard, we didn't really have time to stop. Because, uh, you know, you work, and you, we worked hard, and that's what we did, you know. And, and basically, it, it just affected my life more and more and more. It my life kind of fell apart. And I was trying to figure out what the fuck am i gonna do you know Jesus. were you on painkillers uh initially yes uh, first I, I wasn't at all i was first i was just in a, in a world of pain in a world of shit it was horrendous and then 
I got the painkillers, <clears throat> and then I realized that in Sweden, if and this is this is where things start start going awry and, and really kind of kind of getting weird. For needing the painkillers, then I thought that that would kind of kind of in being Sweden, I thought that well now I'll get some help. What I didn't know because I'd been touring so hard for so many years was that the Sweden I thought was there about you know fifteen years ago wasn't there anymore. How it so? Had been, well, it been it had been politically uh, dismantled. It wasn't. It was. It didn't even exist. So when when I came and and said hi, I'm I'm kind of in a pinch here. I'm I'm. Uh, I'm in a situation where I need these these painkillers to be able to do my work, and I'd rather you know try to figure out what is really the problem, so so I can do something about it. That basically, uh, on one hand, I was told that I was a uh, substance abuser, mm-hmm. and on the other hand, I was told that that no, you're too young to have this type of trouble. We don't help young people with problems. Can I ask what was actually, did you ever find out what was wrong with your back? I did. Uh, I have 11 herniated discs. I have 11? a 11. I have, well, I've been, I've been headbanging a while. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and, and, you know, there's been a few mosh pits. Uh, so 11 of those. And then I have like, like a crush, like where I fell backwards over these, like from stage. And then I have a titanium hip. Uh, my, it turned out my, I'd fallen and crashed so many times on stage and stuff and doing weird and dumb stage dives or whatnot that my, my hips, the, the hip balls, they were completely fucked. So I, we saved the one, but the other one was beyond repair. It was just, it looked kind of, I was awake cause you could do, you could be awake when you did the, the surgery for the hip. Mm-hmm. So I, well, so I thought, well, you know, that's, that'll be an interesting kind of kind of experience i was i was awake when i when they did the the hip surgery because they do like an epidural mm-hmm. it's kind of kind of a cool procedure weird because it's like the smell of butchery it smells like when you're smelling like have you ever been in a butchery are you vegan no i mean i mean i've I probably haven't been to an actual butcher since i was maybe a kid i mean it, it america's a little different you guys are Europe is much more old school. It's like, hey, we go to the bakery, we go to the butcher, you know, we're, but. <laughs> yeah, yeah well, you, well, it kind of used to be that. That's that's not the new Europe. New, the, the new modern Europe is everything American, you know, as far as, yeah, you know. Well, I was just in Paris and I, I appreciated the, you know, like the, you know, the little coffee yeah, shop and the little, you know, and the bakery. It was, like, yeah. it was that's nice. nice. Yeah, it is nice. Uh, you can actually get your own. This guy will bake different bread than this guy over here. That's that's really a nice thing. It is a good thing. But like I said, it turned out that that uh, the people I, I I relied on and kind of kind of depended on really didn't like me that much. <laughs> who, who, and and I, who are these people? Well, these were the people I worked with. So I I I figured, oh shit, uh, I'm like. They're not really even appreciative of me bringing in, like, at least, you know, a fifth of, of the money that we're making. Oh, you mean, you mean uh, the haunted? 
Let's not talk about names. Okay, please. okay, okay. I'm, uh, I'm, just, I'm just trying to get the time. Yeah, period. yeah. I'm, 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 yeah, I'm just gonna knock it in the there. The band just, that will not be named. <laughs> that I, yeah, I, I don't want to be that guy. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm, I'm done with that. But it, it within the group that I was working with, uh, and it wasn't just that, like particular group of people. It was the people who that I was a part of, and it turned out that that I, I guess I, I wasn't really. An asset, you know. I thought I was an asset. To me, they were assets, and I guess I wasn't an asset. You know, people are different that way. I guess. What do you feel I'm, like could I'm, have been done better to like make you feel more? Oh, welcome? I think that we should never. I should never have gone into that particular group of people to begin with, uh, and that has to do with with fundamental uh, conviction in yeah. fundamental view of, of other human beings and fundamental I'm a humanist. I'm 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 really a geeky humanist egalitarian anarchist who <laughs> think that good things can be done if we want to make good things happen. Yeah. That's that's my my, my oh that's my primary belief. Okay. So so anyway it turned out that this wasn't necessarily the the situation with, with you know the, the people I was with. And I, I didn't know then what it was, what it, what caused that. I know now it was that I was raised American. I was raised in an American family in Sweden. All my values were different. Can Everything. You, can you give me a little background on that? So you were, how, how is that you were raised? So your family's American? Well, my, my family's half American. My I, I, my original, like like my, my Swedish family is this this really, really old school uh, farmers family, you know, forest, forest farmers family from up in the north of Sweden. They like the original house from 1640 is still standing. Wow. <laughs> it's, it's, it's one of those. Uh, it's an old, old family. Uh, my si- my mother's sister married a guy from Oklahoma back in late sixties and they moved to Sweden in 76, I think 75, 76. And then my, my, my mother had, had, you know, personal tragedy. And so I, I, you know, I, I was taken care, taken in by the rest of the family, you know, and, and that turned out to be the American part of the family. So, what, so I, yeah. How did that, you know, just what, what for you is like the difference just kind of culturally? I think the main deal is, is that liberty to me and that's something that I, I, I have that from my grandfathers, you know, from my grandfather and his brothers. To them, they, they were they were self-owning, you know, self-sufficient. They did not need the Swedish government or the Swedish state. They didn't need anyone because they'd been taking care of themselves for, you know, since for as long as anyone could remember. They were here before the church, you know, uh, that family. And they were very, very independent and then here comes you know the the american influence in the family and and i i grew up with you know basic american values of liberty and and the pursuit of happiness you know for something to be a higher value uh and then see my stepdad this is the guy who came from who was kind of my my, my big guy in, in in life you know the, the big man he he was really, really old school, like like 
you know, John Wayne kind of guy. <laughs> who, yeah. And, you know, he was he was kind of hard when it came to discipline and stuff. And I, I really hated it. But in the on the back end of that, of, you know, getting disciplined and getting, you know, my ass whooped and, and whatnot, he taught me that it doesn't matter. You, you know, like, like you're a kid now, but the moment that, that you're independent and you are, you know, sufficiently able to take care of yourself, I can't tell you what to do anymore. Yeah. And to me, you know, even, even, even there, there was no, there was never a, a, a question of him being this, this totalitarian kind of, kind of, that's, that's where the, the buck stops. No, no. He, he, he made it clear that when the day comes, you're, you're, you're the guy, you're your own man. You're going to have to be your own man. And to me that, that, you know, that was inspiring and it was a little bit scary. And I, I realized that, wow, not all the other kids here kind of seem to think this way. But for me, when I, you know, when I, when I you know, went through school and stuff, I, I, you know, came, came to an age, I, I, I left, I left Sweden. I didn't feel comfortable here because, because I really did not share the fundamental values mm-hmm. and the fundamentals were values here in Sweden. It's not libertarian. It's not. They, they, like like regular people do not understand what freedom is. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll give you I'll, I'll give you a very very practical example. Um, here's there's there was this this other uh, other band here in Gothenburg that were very successful and they had they had a guy in that band that played bass and he he would I I, I would like like recurringly I, I would find interviews where he'd badmouth me. Like holy shit! What is this guy's beef? You know, I, I, I'd never done anything mean to him. You know, I've never ever done anything mean to him. I've always been supportive, and I, I, I realized, man, this guy is really doing a number on me for ten years. Why is he doing this? So I asked him, and I was like, why, why this? I mean, at one point, he'd even taken come, you know, to the extremes where I was putting out an album and I was doing a crowdfund. And he really shot the crowdfunding down by by for six months in a row. He really he went on live radio and he like he would he would shoot down my shit, you know, raging. Finally, I asked him, "Well, what is your beef? You know what what is it you think I'm doing wrong that that you know actually means that you put effort and time and money into shooting my shit down?" And he literally didn't get what I mean. What do you mean? Well, literally, you're bad-mouthing me and you're telling people to not give me money to do what I do, but I'm never getting a real, you know, I'm not understanding why. You're not giving a fair explanation. You're exploiting the audience, Peter. He, he, he was just against crowdfunding in general? No. I said, what? You're exploiting, you're exploiting your fans. Are you insane? I asked him. That of course I'm exploiting my fans. My fans are the people who enjoy what I do. That's why they're fans. And so I exploit that. It's called capitalism. It goes two ways. You find something that you're good at, you do that, and you sell that. That's capitalism. I don't like it. Yeah. I can't support that. Uh, <laughs> I don't think that's ex- exploitation, though, because it's win-win. Exploitation kind of inherently 
considers that there's an yes. imbalance. But I don't think there's yes. an, it's a fair trade if if they're happy with the product, right? Exactly. But but where you come in is 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 with with like 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 a whole bag full of functional. You know how to argue. You know what logics are. You know how to reason. No, these kids have grown up with a kind of fundamental uh, value inversion. Yeah. And I've, I've been writing about this a lot, you know, because it, cause, cause it struck me as, it's like, I thought I was one of the team. And basically it was like, no, no, there is no team. It's just people doing shit because they're so nihilistic that they don't want to work or be a part of society. So you might as well play in a band because it's not a real job. Mm-hmm. Well, for real, and that just that just crushed my heart. Cause like, what the, what, what the fuck? I mean, I mean, like, invested my 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 entire life into this. Yeah, well, I don't want to work. I don't want to work with these fucking nihilists. You know, fuck these people. So I'm not. That's that's why I'm not doing this job anymore. And that's yeah. that's kind of. But that was kind of the understanding that I came to about well, a little a little around seven years ago, and then from then on, I've just do, been doing more and more completely other things from yeah. music. <laughs> well, well can, we, can we talk about how you got into music? Because I, uh, as I was preparing for this, I, I went back and listened to some of the Mary Beats Jane stuff, and I cannot believe how good this band is, man. I was blown away because I, I remember people talking, they're like, oh, it's kind of like a grunge band. And I listened to it, I'm like, it's not, there's a hint of that, I guess, a little bit, but it's fucking he- super heavy, and uh, it's groovy, and it has this just kind of dark uh ambient kind of like uh really dynamic kind of thing between bringing it really down and bringing it bringing it up and uh you know i saw you guys won a grammy and i saw this clip of you on mtv so clearly was it was that your first like real band or you've been doing stuff before that no well well, i that was the first band that was the first time that that we found well that that they're the world found some kind of commercial interest in what what we did as as friends. Uh, I grew up with music. I grew up in, you know, a lot of what is country and classical music, and you know, singer songwriter kind of tradition. And I grew up with that. We had you know we had Eric Clapton would call at the house and ask for my my stepmom. It, it would they were whole you know they were part of a whole scene. In, in Los Angeles when they when they left back in back in like like mid in the mid seventies, they they really worked at all the clubs back in, you know, from, from sixty seven up to about seventy one. And then they then they moved up to San Francisco for a while and then they eventually they, they left the US. The party scene got rough, you know, they were right in that fringe area, you know, working with uh hosting and, and and events and what what's back then was small clubs basically um they got out of dodge back in i think six it's 72 something like that and and they 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 headed up up to first to oregon but then well let's let's go over to sweden where where uh my, my mom's sister was was originally from and then they so they moved back uh but like the family the place I come from in Sweden is called Delsbo, D-L-S-B-O, <laughs> Delsbo, uh, and it's kind of a mythical place from a kind of popular culture. Lots of folk music, and they they have this big uh, 
focus every summer and have like for forever where where just swedish folk music and folk music from all over the world musicians will will gather there so that's kind of what i grew up this mixture between folk music singer songwriter tradition and then kind of rock star party culture in yeah. the 70s just, just being a, a young guy and being in well the... i was just a, like a wee little kid and okay, just watching watching people who were Actually, a lot of those people were, I guess, you know, stars. Uh, but to me, they were just regular, regular people who had jobs. Yeah. So for me, for me, like becoming a musician was really a, a like a choice that okay, I'll do that. I don't want to, I don't want to be a professor because that really sounds too boring. I'd rather learn everything about rock and roll. I want to, I want to do that. <laughs> and were you like trained to sing or you just kind of figured it out on your own? Uh, I, I, I have schooling. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm one of those people. I, I was in school choir, uh, church choir. I, I, I did all that stuff. Um, uh, so for me singing, I, I took singing pretty seriously. I, I think cause I, I personally consider myself to be a really shitty singer. Why? So, Oh my God! I'm not. I'm just not that guy. The like you're one of my I, favorite singers ever, buddy. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I. Do you know? Do you, like, know, do you know why? Because I mean, there's technique there, but you're one of the you know heavy metal, and obviously you do a lot of stuff beyond heavy metal. So I don't want to put you in a box. I don't want to put it out there. But that was obviously the context I, you know, became a fan. Yep. Um, it is as you've probably seen. It's pretty restrictive emotionally, right? Like there's a lot of yeah. bands tend to stay within this one range between kind of anger and this other thing where I feel like with you, you brought this other element of depth and kind of vulnerability that just wasn't in that genre at, at the time, you know? Well, thank you. Um, and so, and to me, that's like, and I think the people who are fans of, of you, and especially within the Haunted, because they have different singers, is that element because it was so. It's what set the band apart, in my opinion. And listening to Mary Beats Jane, that even more, even that was even more kind of ups and downs between uh, expressing yourself. Well, thank you, thank you. Yeah, of course. But we 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 came we came in a very. We started playing with Mary B. Jane when I started making heavy music. It we came in a very very fortunate period. It, there was there were there were no we didn't feel any limitations on what we could or could not do because we didn't specifically come from the metal scene. Yeah, uh, the, you can that, hear that band. Yeah, that that band is is built from punk rock, kind of surf punk rock, surf skate punk, and a lot of like a lot of music, yeah. everything. So like like a very it's a musicians band like like music fans band really. Uh, what we did was we just took everything we thought was cool that that would oh oh that's cool oh I like that that's put that in the song you know and we we wanted it to be the the ball out party you know that we we would if we would get 20 minutes we wanted people to go holy shit you yeah. know at the end of those 20 minutes it was like just just blow them away like really to do as much 
um, awesome stuff in 20 minutes. <laughs> so did, did, for, yeah. did the band start in your hometown or in Gothenburg? Gothenburg. Yeah. Uh, and the funny thing was that it, it started it started from me busking. <laughs> what was busking? Uh, just sitting on a sidewalk with a guitar and a hat, you know, oh. and, and people with playing playing songs and standards, and people would throw, you know, uh, a couple couple of bucks in your hat, you know, that's because you, you sing songs that they that they remember. Um, that's busking. See, I learned I learned a new word. See, I like so, so that that's. You're a troubadour. Yeah, I'm, I'm here. <laughs> Let's see. You still there? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I you are. You. I got you. I got you just, just fine. Yeah. Um, so for you, you know, and I, I think, and my favorite thing about what what, what you do with, with the heavier side of the stuff is there are some people, like, they just seem like they're like they're faking it. Like, it's like, like I listen to all these bands where there's like screamers, like just pure, like, Oh, like full screamers. And the bands I really like is when I, I feel like they mean it. Right. And one thing about yeah. you is like, yeah. I was like, yo, this motherfucker <laughs> sounds so pissed off. Like what, what, you know, with that era, at least what were you kind of exercising? What, what for you was like, where was that fucking rage coming from at that point? You know, my my rage issues has to do with some some nasty stuff, uh, and and it's it's today I don't I don't I don't struggle. You see me smiling. You yeah. see me smiling. Yeah, you see me smiling a lot. I I really let go of my beef. Um, I I really carried a beef for a very very long time, and I don't have to carry that beef anymore. It's mm. not mine. Uh, today we have all the things that have have gotten to me uh, over the last three months it's been like just exploding in the world <laughs> yeah so i don't have to be mad anymore i don't have to be pissed off uh there there are more people than me out there that see injustice and more people than me who care for other people and who has heart that actually cares yeah i you know that's Life is kind of an investment. It's like it's like it's not going to just be fucking given to us and like like put in our laps. So here you go. Here you're going to have this perfect little life. You're going to you're going to do that and that and you're going to be within that and that. No, that's not life. Life is what we create, you know? It's 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 something that we're given and it's a, a, an amazing thing. And if we kind of displace that the beauty of that it's it's kind of we're not paying ourselves and we're not paying the people that we love and respect the re, the respect that we deserve mm. and and th- that was kind of where my rage comes from you know came from i'm 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 honestly not angry anymore <laughs> i'm more defined and i'm i'm more i'm more you know optimistically driven and motivated now yeah um w- and with music, it was I, I realized that I, I I can't get this stuff out in any other format. Mm-hmm. You know, it doesn't have any other place. You know, other than violence. And I'm not a fucking MMA fighter. What what good is that going to do in explaining the background or or the reasons as far as you know inequity, social inequity, you know, privilege, a world that's just just so incredibly tainted by basically what is 
really weird psychology. I used to think that, you know, it was a, a class and a, and a race question, but I'm feeling more and more that basically what we're looking at in the world is really screwed up psychology and we've built entire social structures and, and economic structures and, 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 and social, you know, power structures on poor, messed up psychology more than anything else. And we, then we blame all these other things. We blame, you know, politics or we blame, you know, the stereotype character. Or we, we, we blame uh, this or that, but it's not really getting to the problem. You know, the real problem is that the, the, the actual singular individual itself, mm-hmm. we, we're not the same. We're different. We have different kind of timelines and we have different places where we understand things. And so we're kind of in a, in a chaotic reality <laughs> that, that, that looks more like what the Buddhists are explaining than the kind of simplified world order of, of the society that I've, I've been a part of for the most part of my life, which is a very conform society that, that claims itself to be social democratic which is not, mm-hmm. um, and 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 again, you know, I, I I'm really happy that that I see people talking about privilege in a way that they really never have, um, and privilege has been one of one of the main kind of subjects in 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 what I've written mm-hmm. and the the emotional sentiment of 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 what we did with the haunted because. I, I came from a privileged situation, but I wasn't privileged. So how, I, 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 how, do you, how well, was that? Well, it was, it, this is, and this is the, I, I'm very grateful for this. Uh, I, I come from a very, very old family. And, and the family, when I was a little kid, my family was still entirely financially independent. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, we really were outside almost the law and above the law uh, because we well we didn't have to care it was it was there was no reason not to but there was no reason to really even care about uh, society other than in 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 action in actual action um and then politics really really changed in the 70s and 80s and my family lost everything because uh, when when uh, basically as a result of, of, of uh, George Soros did did this this economic job for for a bunch of American companies and he wrote a book about it called uh, I think it's called Confessions of, a, of an International Hitman it's, it's a book about how he destabilized the the Asian market and this basically this 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 late 80s e- economics and what happened was that a bunch of the so-called well, a bunch of banks in in Asia that have been very very successful uh, they they caused the 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 European currencies to to drop uh, to do to to change that the these companies well they went together and they they started speculating on Asian uh, uh, capital and by doing so uh, they destabilized the market and by with that when that happened Swedish currency was was destabilized and when that happened 
the the national bank almost fell. Yeah. So they had to. So so they had to kind kind of they had to release the currency. So it, it came to a completely like a, like a free free state for a while. And this was around 90, 90, 91, 92. And a lot of people who had old estates, if they hadn't turned their company, their 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 estates into companies, the the uh, uh, interest rates just shot up straight up to like five hundred percent. It was ridiculous. Jeez. Jeez. Yeah. So so shitload of people lost everything, 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 including your family, including my family. Yeah. So there I was, about twenty. 22 years old, uh, I just just gotten halfway through through my my college education, and I realized, holy shit, I'm broke. Yeah. That's it. That there's nothing. I'm I'm just your average homeless guy, with 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 a lot of history and culture. <laughs> All right, okay, New Deal. Uh, Got to figure this one out. <clears throat> so speaking of, of Sweden. Um, Mary Beach Jane in particular, I mean, well, actually, let me let me ask another question. Um, did you kind of have some recognition that there was kind of something special about musically about Sweden? You know, me being an outsider, um, you know, I was absorbing, you know, during that time in the in the mid 90s, you know, you know, you listen if you listen to a band like God Forbid, you can kind of hear us and a lot of our peers that we were essentially like siphoning this pipeline from all this 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 music from from sweden you know be it entombed or at the gates um you know uh you know mashuga you can go down down the whole uh the whole thing but you never had a kind of <laughs> sense of of like there was something special or elevated about the musicianship or the kind of the style of feeling somehow unique or or you kind of to its own degree of of uh excellence well on on a personal on a personal kind of kind of level i could see that that there are some amazing players like really really great players um one should know and this is something where where i i i've been working since i was about 12 in restaurants and and around clubs and that's how I how I kind of got close to music and you know as as my as my own person, and doing that and working with with booking bands and and doing that, I kind of started to look into what the music world was, and being the person I was and coming from the social, you know, the, the class kind of privilege situation where I come from, it. To me, it became very obvious what what it was that was going on in Sweden at that moment. Why there was so much music being released? It was, and I, because the music business is just a business. And to me, I where where I come in from music is is from. I saw the music business was merely one industry. Mm-hmm. I saw it as a, like from start from top. I had no illusions about music business being. A holy place or it was just a business it was like like walking into a factory from one factory to another it was like oh this is that's that's the music factory over there mm-hmm. uh and and so i didn't think that it was because of the great playing that the record industry was attracted to sweden 
Uh, instead, I, I saw that it was the prices that very obviously all these amazing players, they would be very, very enthusiastic about giving their rights away, playing for almost nothing, you know, anything for, for actually taking that step. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's, in, that's, in, that's the kind of situation where we came in and I was working as, like I said, as a busker, I, I realized, damn, I can, I can, I can get away, you know, and have, have, you know, a fair paycheck by, by playing all these songs in, in these different places in town. Well, it was kind of neat, you know, but I always, ha- always struggled with, with lyrics. So mm-hmm. I, that's, that's, that's the reason I started writing my own songs because it was easier to remember my own <laughs> words than, than to remember the words that other people wrote because I, I identified more with them and I kind of got, you know, well, I, it, you you know, form it this way and this way and try to understand the kind of aesthetics and and to understand, well, what the hell are they singing about? Oh, it has to be something real for it to be good. Okay, I'll try my best to try to figure out something something good to write about, meaningful, you know, something that, that matters and makes sense. <laughs> but it all comes from a very kind of utilitarian kind of perspective where everything was all about, well, here's this industry, now I'm going to make music, I'm, I'm, I'm going to do that. I don't want to. I don't want to work in Volvo, make you know welding welding car parts. Uh, but I I I took that kind of industrious mm-hmm. ad, attitude towards it. But I realized that this was not the norm. You know, most people were to them music was something that you had as a hobby. Mm-hmm. It's like so again. It's like the the culture clash that caused. <laughs> that cost something very good because uh, I, I met these great musicians and they well we want you in our band you know and okay i'll be happy to be in your band what what, what kind of band are we we doing what kind of band are we talking here we're going to do a hard rock band a hard rock band and 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 to me I, I i saw i saw you know red and black striped spandex frizzy hair i'm thinking like aerosmith or something straight up you know and i and i started laughing you know they well, I, you know, let's do it. I'm, I'm all for it, you know. And I'm, I'm just me. I've always just kind of been me. Uh, so let's, let's do that. You know, it turned out as something completely other. Uh, my, my own, my only thing was if I can, if I can scream as loud as I want to, if I need to in the song, just let me do that because it sounds like that's, that's, that should be right in that kind of music. <laughs> and then we basically we, we, we started. I don't know, diving into music. I think, I think from 91, I mean, I, I was passionate about music from, you know, all my, my teenage years. It's like, like I would really spend my, my hard earned money on on records. And then the good thing were the records back then you could sell, resell the records. Wasn't that a great thing where you could actually buy records and you could sell them again if you if you made sure to get good editions and uh, stuff? You talking about like like LPs, like actual albums? Yeah, or, oh, okay. yeah, so, actual albums. So I was never a vinyl person, um, but you know, I'm, it's never too late. <laughs> those 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 things, those suckers saved my life so many times, you know, because you I, I'd stock up and then. I by you know six months later I I run into some some financial trouble oh shit and I have well I have this first pressing of 
of that album and I have this well and I I, I go pawn them or something and that that month would be saved. I mean the good good thing with the vinyls. <laughs> but really I I I I had a very unromantic view of of the music business. And I think that kind of along the way my friends really didn't know. They thought I was being a cynic. Yeah. Uh, but and I, I wasn't being a cynic. I was just kind of looking at it from a from a professional perspective. So was that kind of having a certain appraisal of your ability, just saying, "Yeah, I'm pretty badass. I deserve to be making a living from being this badass." Was that kind of just this sense of self confidence? No. Uh, more kind of kind of a knowledge that well i i i will probably be able to learn how to yeah i i i you know and and again i'm raised american so competition is a reality you look at if if you're going to do something you're you're you look at all the parts in it is that do do i have an actual running chance here you know is there is what is the competition do i have a place in this do i have something to to add Am I, am I, you know, am I bringing something to the table? And I realized, well, you know, I am. So, okay, I'm going to do this all, all out. Just, just go full. Um, and yeah. I, 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 I did. Yeah. Did, um, so you, you, Mary B's Jane won a Swedish Grammy, right? Yep. Now, is that some kind of, you know, and I don't know where in the band's career, um, you know, I, I know you guys did a tour with Machine Head and, and, Meshuggah, which like to my mind is like this weird kind of legendary tour because I'm I'm, I'm a fan of Meshuggah and 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 Machine Head so so much. I was like, oh man, Peter Dolving's old band was on there. Must have been just so cool. Um, what was, was? I mean, you you experienced some success with this band, or you know, did you perceive it that way? Oh, dude, yeah, yeah, it was great. Uh, it was really fun. Like I I have to say, it was really really fun. We were very chaotic as a group, <laughs> to say the least. Um, this was just just the group psychology of it. The the five people that that were the people who who, who were Mary Beast Jane. The years that we we did what we did were loud and very obnoxious. Uh, people, we weren't very nice necessarily. Uh, supermodels really, <laughs> really, really liked us. Uh, some people really liked us, but we weren't, we weren't, we weren't standard enough, I think. Yeah. Uh, and, and then when, when, uh, when, cause, and this was Geffen. Geffen signed us. It was Tom Sutad that signed us, who signed that's Guns N' Roses. That's a big fucking deal. <laughs> yeah. So it was the same guy. It was who signed Nirvana and and uh, uh, Guns N' Roses. So it was they 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 had they had you know but we we weren't we were too loud. We were too un un unsocially fit. And then there was this other band called Tool. Yeah. And basically, when when the mergers was was done. By by Universal and 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 kind of uh, uh, well that whole like mid nineties uh, a whole shitload of of, of record companies uh, went together and I think over six hundred bands just lost their labels 
we 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 could do one more album. We were kind of lucky, uh, but then I found myself without a label. Mm-hmm. So I thought, you know, should I, am I going to keep doing this? And then Adrian brought me into the haunted. So, yeah. So what, I mean, that, so Mary B. Jane wasn't really broken up when he reached out to you. No, uh, but but the record situation, the, the the company situation was came to a kind of a halt, and then um, the the lead guitarist and my my main writing partner uh, Magnus, he got a good job as a IT guy, uh, graphic design uh, for, and this was like he had his own company 96 96 97 time started taking off for him so they're gonna know i'm gonna i'm gonna try to get a normal life i'm i'm tired of and he'd been touring he'd been touring for like 10 years before mary b jane yeah with uh, a surf board, surf punk band called psychotic youth who who were this uh, surf punk band they did loads and loads of records you know really high energy punk rock um, so when he left, I figured, you know, we've got to do something else. I'm not sure what, and it took a while for things to kind of work out. Then find found myself in the haunted. So, I mean, stylistically, there's obviously a big gap, you know, um, in terms, not in terms of quality necessarily, but just, just, it was a, it's a big shift, you know I mean? I mean, you really couldn't get more i mean I'll, I'll i'll put it this way to me when i heard so i i heard there was a a song on an earache compilation it was undead but it was like a demo version of it yeah a different version of it yeah it was an album which honestly to this day i still think sound sounded better than the actual album production i was i was kind of bummed out and i was like i and then there were also two this is what i said there was these two other songs and I don't know where I heard them or where I, I, I had them somewhere or someone showed them to me that didn't end up on the album. Mm-hmm. I don't know where the hell those songs are at. I can't find them anywhere, but I loved those songs too. But I remember hearing yep. Undead on that that compilation. And being you know, At the Gates was all time for me, like just, you know, changed my life. And I loved that it wasn't just we're gonna make a new at the gates. It actually was different. Um, and it just seemed like, you know, cause this was this period where, you know, now we, we, like years later, they had this kind of thrash revival thing, but it was this thing, this idea of like, Hey, we're going to take, you know, a Slayer kind of vibe, but it just felt so modern, right? It didn't sound like a rehash band. It sounded like taking the energy of that or some element of it, but then completely re- revamped. Um, and you know, was that something, because like I said, you would come from these really diverse musical background and this is like, as kind of almost as pure metal as it gets. I mean, was that, you were just all about that vibe at the, at the moment? We wanted to do something that would move people, uh, in, in a live environment. Yeah. Um, I mean, we, by, by this time we'd, we'd been touring, internationally for almost 10 years and we felt that we're kind of beginning to get a kind of grip on how like the the hardcore and the metal live setting was yeah. and we we really enjoyed that we we were all about that experience uh 
and we'd kind of been with the bands that the previous inc- you know incarnations of the bands that we've been in one of the issues that we'd been through was that well some people you know people wanted to oh we want to make it more this or that and and the people who turned out to become the haunted we wanted to make something direct like in your face no no filler just just your know, 3 minute wham bam just high high intensity hardcore with metal influences like like the like the quintessal you know the the experience of like here you go man this just just rock the shit out of you because this is how this <laughs> it never it never yeah. lets up i mean I, there's still something about the first album that's still kind of in many ways i mean maybe it's um a sentimental thing but but just something about it just is just very like you know i, I want to say it's the it's my favorite album it's hard to kind of it's hard to kind of pick pick one but there's something about it where at least for god forbid that album was by far the biggest influence for our first record on Central Media, um, Determination. And it was like, cool. it, was, it was like, by, we just kind of glommed onto that. And it really made us want to embrace the speed, the intensity, and the, the thrash vibe, you know? And it cool. was, um, yeah, it was, it, it was a game changer. And then the album comes out and then, they announce a tour with Testament in America, and guess who doesn't show up? <laughs> <laughs> what happened? You just put this oh. album out. This you put out this classic album, and it's setting the metal world on fire, and you, and you're out. What happened? Out. Basically, what happened was reality. Uh, I'd done. I'd been on, on tour for several years with the with with Marybeth Jane, uh, and so we do these recordings with these guys that you know turn out to be the Haunted. Kind of like it; they're nice guys. Um, but there was the just the, the legal realities of it were just not there. It was just like when we the first deal the the first offer we we got in our laps from from earache records was i thought it was a joke i i really honestly thought it was an actual joke coming because, from geffen you know, though were, <clears throat> <laughs> earache ain't, ain't a major <laughs> label i'll tell you that <laughs> no and i and i think that's that's that was the problem because they weren't a major label they were they were so paranoid and so kind of trying to play the game that they forgot the realities of it. Mm-hmm. And so instead they had some lawyer off somewhere who didn't have any kind of, you know, actual understanding of the business and had put together basically probably the most ridiculous record contract ever, ever constituated. It had a, it had a three full page three-page non-punctuation no commas at all just one running text of how the band would lose all rights for all eternal time in all potential known and unknown formats in the future and in potential other other places in space for real Mm -hmm. 
So this 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 is where it all started. It's like, no, you're joking. It's like I'm making I'm making more money doing troubadour shows where I'm playing Eagles songs for drunk middle-aged wives than I'm doing this. Okay, so I need to pay a rent and have food so I make it to the end of the month. And if you want me to go on tour, you're gonna have to at least say hello. You know, be nice at least. Mm-hmm. But they they didn't want to do that, so I I said, well, you know, then 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 that's that, and I stepped out. <laughs> so you recorded the album, and you didn't do any shows with the band. We did. I did about twenty shows or something, maybe yeah. maybe forty shows. I don't know. Yeah, and then, uh, so the contract then, was that the actual record contract, or that was just a contract for the tour? And that that was that was that was the record contract. So, uh, so we you had didn't sign everything it. down. I didn't sign it. You didn't sign it. That's so. But so then, how do they have a record with you on it if you never signed it? They'd have to pay you. I think eventually they did pay me. Uh, I no, I think I eventually did sign it. Yeah, but oh, I didn't, eventually. I, yeah, eventually signed it, so they got the album out. This was yes. I think I think Jensen and the, the the band's manager at that time talked me into signing it so they could release the album. But I realized that. No, I, I I really need to take care of me. You know, I, I, at the time I was, I've been in a situation where I've been putting all my effort into this other band for all this time, and basically that means you don't really have a home. You have I had like I had an empty apartment. I I you know my my private situation was not optimal. So yeah. I, I figured, well, you know, if 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 touring with these guys is going to be really as rough as what as as what it looks like. Um, I'm 30 years old. Maybe I should, you know, start start looking at trying to get some kind of financial stability into this. Yeah. And so I did. Uh, and then they came back about three three years later, two and a half years later, uh, and asked if I wanted to come back in. This time with a new label, and uh this time i i said that well if 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 you're going to bring me in i i want to do the lyrics if that's you know cuz cuz i feel more comfortable with that i with the first album i hadn't done all the lyrics i'd done about half uh and i and i want to be part of of the creative team i don't just want to come up with you know, singing in where you say it's like because in the original, you know, version it was well, we'd like you to put some vocals here and here and yeah. here, and then from that I would I would, you know, model what I consider to be songs, um, and they they went along. Uh, I I guess we we should have done it in writing. So this is for anyone who's young out there and ambitious and 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 you're you're you really want to do music. Uh, you should, but you should also learn a little bit about uh, deals, how to make, how to make, a, how to write a contract, and understand that making contracts with the people you work with is a good thing. It's not a bad thing. It's not about limiting anyone else. It's about making sure that you protect each other. So make, you know, look at what you need together you know, as, as a group and, and as, as an individual, make sure you make contracts, not eternal contracts, but, you know, contracts say for a year or for, for six months. And then you can re, you can renegotiate as you go along. 
But contracts are really, really a good thing when it comes down to it because you're putting your life on the line, you know. You know, you never know when you, you'll be that guy who falls off stage, you know. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's a, so, so deals are really, really a good thing. Uh, it's, it's, it's a good protection to have, uh, especially if you want to be serious professionally. You know, if you, if you want to go in and really do something good, you know, then for, for say, say, a company who comes in and puts in X amount of million dollars into to a, a production and, and, and uh, you know, the marketing and, and for them to actually know that you're going you're gonna to deliver. You're going to deliver all the way through because you have an actual, have an actual contract for, for what, you know, an agreement. So agreements are good. Uh, I, I learned from that. Uh, and I think that in, in retrospect, I, I would have been more, more you know, on it with, with you know, the, the agreements and stuff. Because that really is one of the things that turned sour with, with that from, from a professional kind of perspective. Um, it's kind of interesting because you, you seem to really view most of band stuff and music, you know, even before this, from a business kind of mindset. How come you never just started, like, something more mainstream or more pop or if if the whole idea was like i need to make a business because the truth is if you're doing weird extreme thrash metal or stuff like that i mean there's just such a hard cap on unless you're you know unless you are slayer you know it's it's really (laughs) tough to you know there's only a handful of bands and a lot of those bands even that do well kind of in the extreme world they have other businesses and they do other things and they kind of, they rely on the band for X amount of their income, but they're kind of, they're very realistic with it. They're like, well, you know, the band is what it is. And so, I mean, why even go down that rabbit hole with extreme music? If it's like, I need to make money and I need to get paid. Like, why not just start some bands? Sounds like Oasis or something. I, for me, my 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 basic thought was that well, if you're going to do something, you're you're going to have to do something that you really kind of need to do that yeah. you enjoy. So the artistry uh, was still important to you. Well, the artistry is number one. Yeah. So the the business is all why why everything about the business is so important is that it's there to protect the artistry. Gotcha. So that's why the whole that's why I'm so business oriented. Mm-hmm. Uh, because in the end, if you're not secure and safe in the creative room, then you're not going to be able to go all out. And then you're not going to be able to say that, oh, well, you know, let's, let's try at least to aspire for that, that absolute level where, where, where people will go, how, how do they do this? How, do, how is this even possible? I, I'm listening to it. It's there. It happened. You guys created this, and and well, to kind of go for that, you have to feel strong and 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 kind of go, okay. This we're we're doing this together. You know, we're we're gonna we're gonna go for this. So it's 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 a question of energy, responsibility. Uh, one thing is not separated from the other. Uh, so to me, to me, I think it's it's the, it's all kind of integrated. Yeah, well, so around this time, this is when you did the Revolver album, and I think this is a real turning point for The Haunted. 
you know, you know, I, you know, I, I, I like Marco. I think those are cool records, but you know, I was always a fan of of yours. So when I found out you were you were coming back to the band, um, and and you know, and a lot of that has to do with just that vocal style, the more kind of death metal kind of growling style, I think is a bit more typical, I guess, in the genre. Whereas, like to me, the combination of what they did musically with your vocals just felt just different from everything else. It really it really set it apart. And that album. Uh, what I really loved about it was it 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 was more dynamic, did have a little more rock influence comparatively to some of the your you know the, your previous band, and you know, you got to sing uh, a lot more, and so it just seemed more comfortable for you. Is that is that correct? Absolutely. I mean, the way we talked about it was that we both me and Anders are. We really like pop music. Um, it's it's not so much that we listen to, to a lot of pop music. We like the format. It's it's nice. It's comfortable with you know you know anywhere between you know three to four minutes. And it's something about creating something catchy that you can you can. And that's the kind of cool part about hardcore and punk and metal is you can. You can do something that's both catchy and just hella rageous, you know, raging at the same time. Uh, and that's something that we really liked about a lot of the New York hardcore bands that that we'd toured with and that we'd met along the way. Um, I booked a lot of shows with bands like, you know, uh, Sick of It All or Civ or and and that type of band. Really, Anders really dug the live energy of that so we 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 thought well let's try to get something a little more like a more catchier kind of element in in there like to to mix with the hard stuff yeah that's that's kind of what we wanted to do and that's what we did we we felt that it's what we did with the first album we had fun with it and we thought well let's just do that because it, it feels like it's comfortable we we like we we trigger each other in in that and yeah you seem natural for us i guess yeah so that was the time we we met we did a tour together well we did two tours together but the first yep. one was with Meshuga in the states uh really you know it was a great time for god forbid we were kind of hitting you know a great kind of uh period of the, of the band in terms of doing really well and getting the tour with you guys was like a dream come true. And it was weird for us because we were playing over you on the American tour. And it was, it was like a bug out for us. We're like, how did they, did, is, that ever, is this okay? Is, is anyone going to yell at us? Or <laughs> it was just, it's just a weird thing to, to like be in that position with um, artists that you, that were such a big influence on you. So it was, it was very humbling. It was very intimidating you know, <laughs> um, but it was, it was, it was incredible. That, that tour was put together very last minute. Yeah. Um, and, but it was still bad. I mean, obviously Meshuggah was one of our heroes, you guys, and, you know, we had Nemec on the tour. So we were kind of like the oddball Americans on the, uh, <laughs> on the Scandinavian I- I- adventure. Um, you know, and, and it's funny cause we, you know, we got to know each other a little bit on that tour, but yeah. it was, we were kind of still all doing our thing. 
But it wasn't, you know, I would say it was about maybe six months after that, we went to, did a European tour with you guys. And yeah. we shared a tour bus. And that's when we, you know, it was like me and you would be up every night kind of just burning the midnight oil, talking about philosophy and yeah. the problems of the world and, and, and everything. And I was just kind of like, uh, you know, uh, taking notes from Professor Dolving. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. No, but I, I, I really appreciated that time because it's, um, you know, you, I feel like you only really, you get to bond with other bands kind of in a different way where you get to share a, a living it space. It and is. I know a lot of people don't like it, but some of my favorite memories and some of the the people I've still include to like being good friends to this day are bands we got to share tour Agreed. with. Agreed. Totally agree. You know, it's, it's one of those things. And I, I, I think anyone who's done like like military service has this basic understanding as well. It's 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 like live touring musicians, people in the service, and then people who do oil rigging. I think these are these are the we we get the same kind of you know we we get to know each other a little bit more maybe than we even want to, and in that we kind of kind of either we bond or we don't. Yeah, and it's kind of a nice. It's kind of a cool thing. I to me, it. I'm I'm kind of old school, I guess, a little bit. So I like it. You know, it's it's uh, it's brought me a whole shitload of really really good friends around the world, and I'm I'm really grateful for it. You know, it's like the best. The, the people. You know, when when I had a hard time, you know, about seven years back, uh, it's those people that that pulled me through. Uh, it wasn't the people that that were the people at home who I thought had my back. It was the people, you know, that I've been working with and and you know, over, around the world. And so that that that's been a saving grace for me, truly. And it's kind of been an inspiration too, even in moving forward with the business that's not because now I'm doing something that's absolutely not metal. Well, maybe it is metal. I'm doing you know medical cannabis, uh, mm. and that's. It's related, I guess, in some 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 ways, I guess. Uh, but it's 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 that thing where I have, I still have my friends, and and I really I'm really happy about that. Um, it's it's a big deal. Yeah, um, you told me something on that on that tour that I'll never forget. It was it was a great phrase. You were you were like uh, <laughs> you were like he's like you don't get it, Doc. He's like we're in prison. <laughs> He's like, you see this tour bus? This is a metal prison. I'm like, well, if this is prison, what's touring in a van then? You go, solitary confinement. (laughs) I swear to God. (laughs) And I'll I'll never, I'll never forget that. I was like, I was like, damn. You know, I'm like, I don't necessarily (laughs) agree, but I can't say he doesn't have a point. Oh, there's a point to that. There's a point to that. You know, lo- looking at, looking at, you know, reality. This this is where where we jump from 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 light lightweight fun and and to to kind of kind of abysmal darkness. But really, uh, the music business in in many ways is a continuation of the incarceration business, which today, like like, you know, forty percent black American men are incarcerated you know what the fuck is up with that and 
we're looking at when it, when it comes to who are these people, who are we, who who end up in bands, who end up you know touring the world, uh, running around. We are you know the most well functioning of the disenfranchised, and you know we're we're the people who kind of kind of want to try a little extra. Well, how do you do that if you're not from say you know a, an Ivy League school and 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 a reality where you go straight to a bank job? Well, you're gonna have that you know day to day job and you're gonna be in your band and but you're 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 gonna be confined and so that's why why I see. It, it, I honestly see the music business in a construction as it is today as a continuation of a control industry that's entirely about and, – and here we come down to the, this guy I was talking about who's telling me that I was exploiting my fans. Mm-hmm. The, the business is exploitive. The business exploits the fact that there are def- disenfranchised people. Uh, there's nothing wrong with creating culture for disenfranchised people. That's that's a good thing, you know. Rage against the machine. That's a good thing. But there's also a, a fundamental paradox within that, and that's that, you know, we we create emotionally intense music and we talk about complex subjects in the world, uh, and pe- people will go to these shows, etc. And they'll rage out, and it'll be a therapeutic moment. But change is kind of—it's not really coming from that. Change comes from regular people doing things, you know, in, in, in as far as everyday life. You know, how how we choose to be kind, you know, in, in what we do. And I, my critique of, of of the music industry is something I've had since before I started playing music. It's 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 a. Uh, it's a highly dubious business, you know. It goes right hand in hand with the sex business and and the, the the arms business. It's highly immoral, and it really doesn't care for the people who are uh, the production line. Yeah, it doesn't because there's there's always a new line, and there's always you know fifteen twenty guys who who will be happy to take that that job when 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 I go, you know, and that's. It's it's a reality, <clears throat> for good or for bad. I you know it has good things. There there are elements within that that are conductive for for great great creativity, uh, but it but it's also a deeply a deeply cynical uh, and deeply problematic uh, a business. Really is. Uh, it doesn't really. Yeah, it's 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 a strange, weird, weird place. To, yeah, to, I mean it, it's funny because my my perspective with it was always slightly different because I always felt like I was ne- like, I felt always felt lucky to even be able, get, be able to get a chance to do it because I, I, ne- I, I never thought it was a possibility to actually even do music as a, as a job. So anytime I got to do anything and tour with bands, I looked up to them. Like I was like pinching myself, but also I was, when we toured together, I was, you know, 24, 25 years old, something, something like that. Um, you know, but I think you can really draw that observation across all entertain the entertainment, any entertainment field, because essentially yeah. the problem you run into is you're trying to make money in a field where people do it for free because they enjoy it, right? Yeah. And, I, and that goes for 
acting and it goes for painting and it goes just, you know, any of the arts, people do it because they enjoy doing it. They want to express themselves. So there's so, there's just so many people trying to get only so many slots available for being professional or being profitable. So I I, I think, you know, sometimes I, I try and kind of back away from this idea that the music industry is particularly more scandalous than any other. You know, I, I oh, mean, no. you you hear like the Harvey Weinstein stories about the film industry and you, you know, I mean, and, you know, some of these stand up comedians that have had some, you know, some issues. And I just feel like I said, I just think all the entertainment industries are pretty, you know, skeezy and exploitive. And it just, the way I look at it is, it is what it is. I think if exactly. anything now, right, think about if you're some, you know, look at like rap, some of these rappers, like Chance the Rapper. He's like 100% independent. He releases all his albums for free online, you know, and he just makes money from streaming and, you know, tours and kind of that. And he, but he doesn't have anyone. He has complete control, but that only could have happened now, right? Like that. Yep. And so I think in many ways, it's like, I imagine Peter Dolving, maybe you're, you were born like in the wrong decade, you know, where maybe if you if you were a young up and co- up and coming artist now, you'd probably have a completely different methodology of Definitely. kind of creating an independent minded business. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. I mean, for me personally, I'm 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 nothing but grateful. I, I I'm really, really nothing but grateful like growing up in the music industry has been the best business education I could ever have gotten. Uh, like today I'm running in a million dollar startup and I actually know what I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I, I, that's because I've, I've spent almost 30 years in the music business. I, I, I feel incredibly comfortable. Uh, I, I really, yeah, I, I, so I, there's no bitterness whatsoever. There's none. There's no bitterness. Everything was learning, you know, and understanding and getting to know that that was what it was. And, and, and learning is not always easy. Sometimes we have to, you know, take bitter pills. Some things are a question of, well, then you did it. You, if, you, if it was terrible, you know that because you did it, you you don't, you know, if you wouldn't have did it, done it, then you wouldn't have known that, and then you wouldn't have been bitter about it. So maybe you shouldn't be bitter. <laughs> you, you understand that? Oh, I listen, I, I, do, yeah. a, I do a podcast <laughs> where I talk to ex-members of bands, you know, and, you know, there's, there's definitely kind of a... I, and I talk about it on here all the time, this kind of streak of bitter metal musicians. And I, you know, and I'm using that as kind of my, my, you know, starting point because that's, you know, generally who I've, who I've been around. And I've noticed the people with that mentality that do become bitter. It's always a losing mentality. You know, it's, it's, not a, it's terrible. I mean, bitterness, I like, like bitterness is, is terrible for us. You know, that's, that's like holding on to every, every disappointment always. Yeah. <laughs> that's, you know, and 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 truth is, you know, we we're kind of here to learn, and then the moment is gone. Then we die. You know, that's 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 what we get. You know, what is it? Anything from from seventy to a hundred years, we should be 
so grateful and 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 hold on to that and just kind of go all out you know and not not be afraid to to try things out i think that's what i think you know and i'm 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 kind of yeah i'm i'm really happy that i that i managed to hold on to that sincerity mm-hmm. because the, then i've i've kind of pushed myself to a point where where well dude you know, you're going to have to live by your standards <laughs> for me. <laughs> so, okay, yeah, you, I'm, I'm right. You're right, Peter. Okay, uh, get a grip. <laughs> and, and so I always have. I, I'm, I'm, I think, but I think optimism is, is really important if, you, if you're going to be a creative person, mm-hmm. you know. And a creative person is, is someone who will, it doesn't matter if you truly say yes to creativity, then you'll always be creative. It doesn't matter if, if if where you choose to kind of put that creativity. So um, I, I want to talk about your creativity real quick because in kind of boning up on your your career, I had no idea you've done so many records, and it seems like you know in between you know the years that you were in, in the haunted, you know you were, you were doing your solo band. Um, and there's all these different, I have Syntax, Gusto, I Am Fire, Science, R- Rosvo, I don't know if <laughs> i that right, and a, and a bunch of, of other, other things. Um, I mean, I don't, I'm not really talking about currently, but it just seemed like you were someone that needed to get this thing out through yeah. this art form. And that was, <clears throat> that's something that you just, you can't sit still. You have to be constantly creating and expressing mm, the brain does what it does i'm kind of here for the ride yeah. um so i i tried to to have to work with you know hands-on jobs that 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 regular people hold and i i i never i i get bored and then I start creating, and then I, I end up fucking my own job up because I, I get inspired and I start ten different projects. Now I have a different situation where I've kind of kind of built up my entire office around my creativity, mm-hmm. and and kind of kind of you know holding on, taking care of that, and kind of nursing nursing that creativity um, in 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 a different kind of way, but really. If if one has to create a strong creative drive and a creative need, then one has it. You know, not everyone does. Yeah, I th- I think it's a gift, and I I think I'm. Yeah, I I can only be grateful for it. it when when I was in my twenties and 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 going to sleep at night was hard. You know, then I wasn't so happy about it. But as as I as I've taken stuff like like meditation and and Buddhism very seriously. I've gotten rid of those. It's not a problem, you know. So today is merely an asset. It's a good thing, and so yeah. And I'm I'm just really, really kind of. I'm amazed and really happy to find that I can I could transition my my creative sides and my 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 love of composition. I I could actually translate that into a corporate business setting. Mm. I I didn't think that could be done, you know. But then I, I in in the last like seven years when when I've been pursuing this company that that I'm now heading, uh, it's been. 
I, I realized that what I was doing initially, I, I, I thought I was starting a company, but that that's not what I was doing. What I was doing was building a very steady platform to be creative. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's not a musical platform, but it's 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 a business platform. Because I realized the one thing that I liked more than anything in music was the kind of inspired moment when you do things with uh, with other creative people. Yeah, collaboration. And I find collaboration. It's I I think it's the greatest, coolest, most fun stuff in the world. I love it. Uh, it's so inspiring, and it doesn't really have to become something great. It doesn't have to become this, oh, this is the greatest song in the world or what whatnot. It's that you can actually meet other people, regardless of where we're from on this planet, and we can come up with cool shit together. Can you, that's just unbelievable, man. That's so cool. <laughs> Isn't, you know, can, can people not see how cool that is? Human beings all around the world who do not even know each other, but kind of have an idea. I kind of have this idea. Well, I'll listen to that. And so we 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 meet up, you know, we can meet up on the internet. You know, people do that and they, they all play this and someone plays that. And before you know it, you have a song or you have an invention or you have a great piece of art or you have a company. It's so beautiful. It's so cool. Yeah. <laughs> it it's... really, yeah. I, I mean, that's that's to me... That has always been the main thing with bands, building bands and creating music, you know, because it's there's something so human about it. It it inspires not only the people who create it, but it it you know, there's there's something about inspiration, something so I don't know. It's something I really find maybe a little holy. Uh, yeah, I call it I call it the, the to me it's it's human beings unique divinity because we're yeah. the, we're the one organism on the planet that can kind of shape the world in kind of our any uh, which in, way in our mind any but, which but, way. but not like that but every in, in this is kind of like the more i guess sci-fi kind of freaky version of it or psychedelic version is that everything that's ever existed that human beings have created started as a thought so it's this idea that you're manifesting your own reality through imagination, you know. Um, and so to me, it's like I can only be happy when I'm, you know, creating things. And like, and like you're saying, kind of mirroring what you're saying, it's not just about writing a song. It's about just work, just developing things, whatever, if that's a business, if that's a conversation. But even now, I get, you know what, you know what gets me off now? It's like a weird thing. I get really high on like uh, connecting people, right? So like, oh man, uh, you know, I'm looking for a singer for something. And I'm like, oh, I got to sing, and then I'll hook. And then so this friend over here <laughs> that I know, and this friend, and now they're working on something. Yeah. Or yeah. this person is looking for a job, and I can like, oh, you know, my friend needs. You know what I'm saying? Like, I love yeah. connecting people. Yes. Um, yes. And creating like these, uh, this kind of web of positive kind of energy that's something that and i I think it is all part of the same kind of stream of 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 energy i I do i i I really really agree i i truly do i mean have have you gotten into quant quant mechanics and quant physics anything um i Uh, it's i i understand some very layman concepts about about how that generally um 
you know, physics in the non-quantum realm yeah. function a certain way. And then once you get on that level, the, the rules change, you know, and this, yeah. you know, and that the whole I- idea behind, you know, two particles existing at the same, you know, in different points at the same time, yeah. or when you observe something and this kind of change our whole idea about, um, you know, this, this kind of multi-dimension idea that things exist. And that's where that, that, that comes from. But I do know it's, it's a field that, we're still kind of just scratching the surface. Yeah, but it's, it's it really is beautiful when it when it when it comes down to it because we're looking at we're looking at a model that actually shows us how everything really does interconnect and is uh, indivisible from the rest. So we really are one physically, materially. We are one uh, having. What we perceive fully in the material you know, perception idea uh, as as subjective, mm. but it's really truly different vantage points of the same experience, all of it, and that's the true reality of it. We're so off, mostly we're so kind of taken back by the intensity of just existing, of, of believing that we exist, the, the ego, that whole construct, mm-hmm. uh, that that we kind of miss the bigger picture and and the only way to get there is is through discipline like like and and here's where music comes in to me i to me music has been the greatest meditation schooling uh and the greatest schooling in in buddhist practice that i could ever have come across because i don't think anything else would have mannered me and helped me focus you know that much and say well i'm going to keep practicing this tiny sequence right here until it is entirely dissolved and and and, and integrated within me and i know it and that's Zen buddhism and when i started i thought it was just rock and roll you know uh, and you know my 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 partner Louise, she she's a yoga teacher since, since Kundalini yoga teacher since thirty years back, and she, you know I I I started listening to what she was teaching her 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 students and started looking into her books and stuff and I thought wow this is what we're doing when we're playing metal this is what we're doing when when we when we make music uh, it's to me so that that was that was a great kind of understanding for me you know to kind of let let go and that's all thanks to music and traveling because i at one point we're with with the the job one is so kind of focused on create creativity and and the form or the tone the timber the the you know the modulation and it kind of brings everything into a point where it's just so small and that's symbolism in practice and then doing that so intensely that we kind of wear ourselves out you know touring especially if one does longer tours when you're out for like you know over 100 days then that's like doing a monk retreat or something you know you come you come out of it and it's like wow i i feel transformed i don't know what has been transformed within me but i feel after this tour i feel even a little bit more patient or i feel more 
what every tour has always brought something in, in understanding and, and, and kind of acceptance of the world uh, as a greater. And I think 2009, man, it was a big, big deal for me. Uh, was one of those years where we really, really toured hard, but I, I, I had a great relationship to my kids at that time. I, I'd gotten out of my marriage. I was married. Uh, it was a great thing to, to get a divorce. <laughs> so I finally had time. So that whole time that I was in, on tour, I could be a full-time dad. And it was awesome because, because it, was, it was like a, like a whole almost a year of, of being almost outside the world but in it at the same time where I didn't have time to have a person. I didn't have time to be, you know, to, to be ego, egotistical. There wasn't place or time for it. Uh, and that something, something kind of clicked or snapped in me, you know, and because we, we toured, we, we were so much on planes and we, we toured all of Europe and then we went to Asia and, and we went to the U S went to South America all in the same year. And I, I don't know, something, I just stopped seeing the world as as separate countries mm. that year. That particular year, it just became one big place, and I'm in it. And that's really changed my whole approach, I think. And I, I think that's what made it easier for me to actually to leave the band when I did, because I wasn't wasn't feeling I wasn't feeling comfortable within you know the professional situation anymore. But I thought, well, you know, the the world doesn't end with me, you know, not being in the band. Uh, and if I feel this way, it's a more responsible way to to go forward and try to do something else and, and work out my the, the issues that I was going through in my private life. So that was and then and I don't think I would have had that kind of resolution if I hadn't had the the privilege of traveling the world and just kind of letting go i guess is, is 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 one because we do you know we you you've had that experience you yeah well i mean kind of just, just listening to you and and you know so many things running through my mind and I, I think about you know just that idea of touring and how you what's kind of left over when you get back to off the road and 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 it made me just think about the idea of the ego where I feel like the, the road, especially now, like I have a completely different uh, kind of experience now. Cause I've, I'm in a new band that's way bigger than my old band. Um, but it's like, I always feel like I'm healthier off the road mentally because I think there's something kind of toxic about people just constantly feeding your ego. And that's what kind of performing people screaming for you, wanting your autograph kind of treating you like you're special and i you know it's like anyway and when you have that and the repetition is so constant that for a second you start thinking oh yeah i'm special i'm i'm mr cool guy you you know like and i think just too much of that and once you start believing your own bullshit and you become kind of you know like in me i at, at one point i've kind of i when i was younger especially when we first met it was like my ego was kind of running the show a lot of the time. It was like that was the pilot. And then I would kind of come home and it's like, you know, the you know, you, you go from Superman to Clark Kent. Um, and now I kind of just I know how to kind of use the ego when I need it. 
just yep. to be on stage and hold it down and pretend like you're important. Then you get off and you're like, oh yeah, I'm just a guy and it's it's fine. Uh, did you ever have any issues with that? Just did you ever get in your head about I'm the guy, I'm the man. Look how special I, I am. LSD. <laughs> I I think I've been kind of fortunate. Uh, I I've always known that I'm no better or worse. Uh, and this this is this is kind of to do with my 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 John Wayneish kind of kind of stepdad there, and and my my grandfathers, of course. Uh, they were very old school, and they said they told me when they they taught me and they taught me how to when I was a kid. They said, "Well, there's almost nothing you can't do. Almost nothing you can't do. You can learn almost anything, but." you're going to have to deal with that. So that's on you. So that's, I had that, that sentiment. I didn't know what that meant. I'd like, like, I don't think I know what it means. (laughs) Yeah. What does that even mean? You know what? That's on me, you know? And then I, I, I started working with what I, what I worked and I, I got, you know, relatively good, you know, at, at what I did. But I realized that, holy shit, there are people here who don't, understand what it's like to uh to invest yourself 100 percent to achieve what you invested yourself to do and that i know for a fact that all i did was invest myself like there's no difference for me in 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 going all out and putting all my emotions into a song and and my entire self than actually building a house, you know, in carpentry. For me, that's the same thing. Mm. So, you know, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna efficiently drive a nail through a two by four and and attach it to another two by four by going half ass. That's just not gonna happen. Now, if I if I go if I go full, I, you know, I I can build a house in not not too not too long time. It'll be steady, but if I do it half assed it's not going to be a good house, but it's the house that matters. I don't matter. I, I'm just a fucking carpenter. I may have even, you know, come up with the idea for the house. I built the house, sure, but the house matters. Yeah. You know, people people are going to live in this house. People are going to trust this house. People are going to, you know, try to, you know, they're they're going to find shelter in this house. So the house is way more important than I am. And I'm not what other people. So if, if someone feels that this house that I just built is a castle for them, well, for them, it is a castle. It's, to me, it's just the house I built. I'm just the carpenter. I'm just the guy who built the house. So I, I always had that very stoic kind of yeah. attitude towards well, that's, it. Uh, I, that's what I kind of gathered uh, stoicism just by the, the, that phrasing of your, your grandfather, or your, your stepfather, where they, they, they put that. Um, and speaking kind of metaphorically of this idea of, of the house, you know, I look at that as kind of your, your catalog in, you know, of all the, this music you, you've created in albums, you know, there's a certain kind of legacy you know, I think about because you, you, like I said, you have children, you have family, and you're, you know, I don't know how how much you're connected to it, but I, I imagine at least within 
the 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 music culture in in Sweden, you're a figure that uh, carries some kind of gravitas in terms of people who respect your your work. I mean, do you look back on on do you, do you have some sense of wow, you know, if I died tomorrow, I'd have this kind of this real like thing, this this like you know, it's a real. I don't know, like, like, like I'm, because I don't have that much stuff that I've done comparatively to you, and it's it's different too, because you're the singer, so your soul is on this stuff in a way that's yeah. different. I think a guitar player. I, I am well. The only way I, I can I can I can describe the way I feel about that what what you just described is I'm I'm satisfied. Yeah. I'm satisfied. Um, I've come to realize that, uh, and this is really cool because this is this 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 is from you know for the for my for the for my Buddhist practice this is very good uh, I'm I'm very happy about this uh, I realized that the work itself really only matters to very little people. Uh, what I've Do you done, believe that you really believe that? I, 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 it's not that I believe this. I know this for a fact. I know the people that have been affected by it. They've been strongly affected by it. I get letters, you know, I get letters every week still from people who say, thank you. The music that you did has helped me pull myself out of the depression, has, has helped me to not give up, uh, has helped me and inspired me. And I, and that's the whole point. That's the point with creating this kind of music for me. That's for me. So I'm satisfied. Uh, fame and kind of recognition, yeah, it seems that we're, we're not... No, well, number one, nothing lasts forever, which is very, very good. Everything is, everything is, you know, impermanent. And also... We live in a very, very, at least here in, in, in Scandinavia, in a very nihilistic culture. Uh, so the difference I've made perhaps has been that there's some sincerity out there and in, in that, that I partook in, in putting out there. Uh, but in, 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 in a grander kind of view, uh, it's kind of neat. It's like the 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 sand is, is, is slowly washing over with, with, <laughs> with the water from the sea. And it's just as if I've never been there, you know, 10 more years and I, I will merely be someone's memory. It's kind of neat. <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, that kind of flies in the face of what I was talking about in terms of, of legacy, because I think, you know, I mean, maybe in, I, I guess in the grand scheme, you know, you got to look at all the music we all put out. If you're not, you know, queen or Metallica or, Someone like this, we're all kind of pissing in the ocean to a certain degree. Isn't that beautiful? Of, <laughs> well, no, well, it's well, it's 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 funny because you you, I don't know because I'm I'm kind of in many ways I, I think about like nihilism, right? You know, uh, and there's this one of my favorite films is a movie called I Heart Huckabees. Have you ever seen it? Mm -hmm. No, I'll I'll check it out. Uh, it's it's a very weird movie directed by David O. Russell, but it's about existentialism and kind of this these two uh, I you know philosophies between 
either a on one hand everything is connected and there are co- and coincidences and this thing means this and this and then the other hand it's everything's chaos and all there is is kind of human drama and nothing means anything and it's kind of you know and I'm kind of I'm always kinda, and the, the film's point is kind of where I lie where it's like I kind of think everything's chaos but every now and again I'll be like I feel like I'm in the right place <laughs> you know what I'm saying like it's this kind of balance and and that's that's the cool and this is what I'm saying about quant why why I keep talking about quant quant so much um quant physics actually says that it's both at the same time yeah so we you know we we can just kind of relax and accept accept that we have we're living in both chaos and order structure yeah uh it's it's both and and Basically, what what we have, you know, we're, we're in here experiencing it. Well, be fine with that. <laughs> you know, what what else? What else are you gonna do? You know, you, you're gonna make a big. If, if if we worry too much, instead of worrying about what we're gonna do, we kind of miss life. And it, it, that's that's John Lennon classic. Life is what happens when you're looking or, or the other way or talking about something else. Yeah. Uh, it really is. And so so it's like much of a great deal of, of the intellectual you know processes and philosophy and stuff is just kind of waste of time really but it's important to to break it down just for for measure to to see where it all kind of hangs together but when it comes down to it you know we we are we're better off trying to live in our now here here with with reality and what what we have in front of us, you know, and try to act, you know, in a, in a constructive manner. If we want a good life, you know, if we don't want a good life, maybe that's not so important. If we want a random life full of expect, you know, a, a big, dramatic, you know, surprises, then then don't live a structured life and don't uh, don't do kind things. <laughs> yeah. But if 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 we want if if we want to kind of if we want a structured life where where we 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 we, we continuously learn, be nice. That's that's kind of it seems to be that simple, really. Mm-hmm. And do you know to do things and not think that, well, I I can't. I'm not enough. I'm not good enough. Or I can't. Well, no, no, no. That's not true. If if you can kind of envision it, then most likely you can learn how to do it, or you can find someone else who can do it, and you can do something that you're good at. You know, it's, yeah. that's the beauty. So I, I remember, you know, you're you're kind of fa- I don't know if it's famous or infamous or both for these, um, you know, encyclopedic posts you do on MySpace and 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 Facebook, um, where you know you're kind of this open book, you know, and you know you'd make news for talking about this, talking about that. But I remember one specifically, you know, uh, kind of just talking about how you would just. This is after the haunted. You know, you left the haunted. You were working. I think you were working with Dress the Dead at the time, and um, what's the other? I am Fire, and you were you were doing all yep. that stuff. Um, and you pretty much were like, "I'm done with music. I'm just yep. done." And I'm- it kind of. I think that. And have you one? Have you held true to that statement? Oh God, yeah. So it's just done. You don't even hum. You don't even hum <laughs> around the house. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I listen to so so basically here's here's what's happened. I the only music I listen to these days is like like 
really happy 1930s jazz. Yeah. Uh, I listened to uh, South American 70s music, like a lot of cumbia, uh, a lot of salsa, bossa nova, uh, and Western African, Eastern, no, more Eastern African. You're evolved. Like, like, You're an evolved like, adult. Like, <laughs> I, I don't know, but, but this is what's happened to me. So as I, I dig my fella Kuti and I, I work. Yeah. And I, I, I guess I've, I've kind of transitioned from doing what I did with music and, and to do it more with business. So today I, I like what I've, what I've, what I've done over the last three months has been connecting uh, a group of companies for, for, for creating a product. And so, so there, there was like, and it's the same, exactly the same uh, construct with getting an idea for a song. I get the idea for a song and then, then I, I kind of, kind of walk around with the idea and I think, well, it should have these elements. And then I, then, then I'll talk, then I, I, I talk in, in, in the haunted, you know, Anders would present something, either he'd have something done already or I, I'd ask for something specifically, and they kind of work and see what he found, and I, and that's what I've, I've like. That's what I've spent the last couple of couple of months here doing. I've been putting putting together a a, a product for for pharmacies, and so with so I got this idea. Well, here's this idea, and so I run the idea by a bunch of people, uh, and then we've been getting and checking in with each other. Is this a good idea? Oh, that sounds like kind of a good idea. And then we've, we've rechecked with each other and rechecked with each other and, and looked at our own perspectives. So, and then now we're, we're creating this product. And it's the same thing as writing a song. It's the exact same thing. So I'm like, wow, this is so wonderful. You know, <laughs> I can apply musical composition within what is actually business. I, I, and my mind is blown. I'm like, I'm actually enjoying myself as much but I'm not playing music. I never thought that would even be possible. Yeah. I never, you know, I, I really thought that because with music, I found uh, uh, a peacefulness. I found uh, a discipline. And I, I really enjoyed that. I, I enjoyed the studio work, the practice work, the, the, the composition. I, the, the, whole, the whole craftsman part of, of musicianship, I, I love that. I really love that. And I, I, I thought, well, I wonder if I'm going to miss this part because that, that, that was really what kind of kept me still going. And I, I loved it, love it so much. But, you know, what I found is I, I'm doing the same thing, just not just composing music. Instead, I'm, now I'm just putting together cool ideas and make money out of them instead. I, before I, I used to make money, no, I used to make music, not money. <laughs> yeah. Well, well it, it feels like so many of the themes we kind of have grazed upon all kind of tie together, you know, and it's and it's part of it is is almost I feel kind of bad because this show is all about kind of trace retracing the steps, right? Like I, I'm kind of forced to look back, but yep. but in a lot of ways to be someone like you and even me to a to a different degree, like like you know, like you said, you get those messages, right? Oh, Peter, yep. you, do, you do all this. Like, I get those same messages about, you know, God forbid, man, thank you so much. But I don't have, you know, in, in, in some respects, I think there is a personality type of some people that kind of do get stuck 
in an era or maybe they're they have an inability to kind of move beyond a, a certain period in their life or they can't you know like some people they're too afraid to quit something because they're afraid of the change or they're you know you know what i'm saying and, and it seems like it's, you you are yeah. kind of unafraid of like you can just move through and let that imperm you've embodied impermanence in a way i i think acceptance is really important yeah uh if if we want to be free if we want to be free uh we need to learn self trust mm-hmm. and self love you know if we if we can love and trust ourselves then there's there's no there really are no boundaries to i believe i believe there really are no boundaries to what we can achieve i mean sure we i, I might not be able to at 50 start playing the violin and becoming you know a new paganini i don't know i haven't tried you know maybe if i <laughs> If I found the incentive and the motivation, maybe, maybe who knows? Uh, but for me, growing up with someone like Kurt Cobain blowing blowing his brains out for you know not knowing what to do with this situation, you know, he wasn't the first one. There were several, several, you know, not just just musical artists, but but actors or or you know painters who would, you know, drink or commit suicide or or somehow just kind of run away inwards away from themselves. Mm-hmm. And I I kind of, you know, I have these tattoos on my arms. It says my, your funeral my trial. And and that that initially was a reminder to take to heart what what was the the, the demise of my mom, my mother. Uh, my mom had a, a very, very tough life, and she really had a hard time letting go of the trouble that she went through in in her her crisis. And she had some terrible things happen. Yeah. Uh, but but it wasn't the actual terrible things that killed her. It was actually not being able to break free and you know to move on from those yeah. terrible Tra- trauma things. getting stuck in the trauma yeah. in the cycle of trauma yeah uh, and that's that's what killed her and i that's how i felt with with you know the like the Cobain guy uh, and you know in the in the in the part where where I, I i did a little thing where i i tried to get the job for stone temple pilots yeah and learning those songs was such a cool and scary thing because you 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 get really close to a singer when you're trying to emanate and understand, and I was like, "Holy shit!" And I I realized by by the end of it that I really didn't want that job. I really didn't want to sing in Stone Temple Pilots. Like, no, no, that's a toxic place, dude. I'm not going there. But and and it, and some some social constructs become toxic. Uh, they're not toxic for everyone. But you know, certain constellation can become toxic, and if if, if you're you're you know in, in a situation where where your presence is part of creating a, a toxicity within within a social structure, it's it's better to have the resolve and the respect and the courage to kind of step away from it for for everything's sake, you know, for your own sake, 
for the project's sake and for everyone else's sake. Uh, that's but that's my firm belief. I, I think that it's better to not become that depressed or, or that estranged or, or, you know, it's better to, to work that out and move on with life. Um, no, no job is worth, you know, that just heartbreak. It's, it's not, it's not. Well, listen, man, I, knowing our history and the way me and you chop it up, like I think uh, very too few people, we, me and you love going, going down the rabbit hole, Oh yeah, uh, in more ways than one. So I, I think we could talk all night. But I, honestly, I I feel like I've gotten to kind of get everything that I wanted to know about well, your journey, your experience. It's it's been really incredible for for me, man. This is one of my favorite shows I've I've done, and it's uh, you know I appreciate I appreciate you so much, man. Just taking your time and opening up, man. It's a really awesome thing. Truly, thank you, thank you, Doc. <laughs> So that was the track Undead, and it was the first Haunted song I ever heard, and it was, I probably mentioned there with this Earache compilation, and that's the actual demo version. That's not the album version. There's something about it that I feel like the album version didn't quite capture. I don't know. Some, some you know, they, we call it demo-itis in the industry, where just sometimes the energy of the, the original demo just kind of gets it just right. Something about the, they like on the album, his like, vocal had this effect on it i don't know this is kind of like weird kind of I mean, it sounds great but something i like the drum sound better on that demo than than the actual album but i i had to find that i found it on this you know little rarities album but i hope you enjoyed that conversation with, with peter like i said this is you know very very important for me this is this is, this is why 
I started this show to have discussions like this. And I, and I think we went in some very deep and serious places and, and, and it's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful space to be able to connect and bring you guys into that connection. And that's, that's really what this medium is, is all about because, you know, Peter is a special guy. I can imagine <laughs> he, he must be an absolute handful to be in a band with. Um, but you know, that's what makes those people who they are. So I just thank him so much, uh, for being on, on, on the program. And it was, it was amazing. Really, really excited. Really, really happy. Um, just a couple things, but before I go, just, I guested on a show called last words, like a web web show. They've been, they started doing it in studio and now they do it on zoom, but it's a couple friends of mine, um, from the East coast and it's connected to a w- website called wearethepit.com. And I guessed it on there last week or a couple weeks ago. And they liked me so much, they actually invited me to be a regular on the show. So I'm going to be doing that pretty much every week. You know, and basically we're on there. We're going to be talking metal. And it's a good excuse for me to listen to a lot of maybe more obscure bands that I don't have the, have the time to listen to. But it's it's fun. They give you like a list of albums to check out and news stories and so it's gonna it's gonna keep me connected and i'm gonna go over there and talk a gang of shit guys that's my whole thing i'm just gonna go over there and just shit on everyone no but but you know i have to be unrelenting you know or as um was that line from almost famous he's like you have to be unmerciful (laughs) where well you know i'm not a journalist really i'm not it doesn't, that doesn't really make sense. But anyway, that should be really fun. So, you know, adding more to my plate, <laughs> which definitely probably not going to make it easier for me to get shows out on time, but I'm going to, I'm going to do my best. And once again, I'll remind you, please head over to doccoil.net, buy a t-shirt, buy some pics. I'm going to get, I'm going to get some more stuff. I'm actually, cause I said I had row from more machine marketing coming on the show. I'm actually going to get him to make me some uh, stickers and pins, and I'm gonna add some just little knickknacks and stuff. And you know, if you buy a T-shirt, I'll throw a little sticker in there. You know, I don't got the stickers yet. We're gonna get them. I just gotta get the design going and stuff. But um, it's fun. You know, these these little things people seem to like it. And uh, you know, we're rocking and rolling. Very busy, guys. I'm too busy. Eyes tired, body tired. I'm four weeks into the keto diet. Seeing some. Uh, so finally feel like I'm seeing some, some, some results, but, uh, try not to look at it as a diet, just try to look at it as a lifestyle change. So that's like consistent, but I do feel good. I feel a lot better, feel healthier and, uh, onward and upward. Anyway, guys, y'all keep it up. Players and pimpins, pimpins and players stay up. Mamba out. Oh yeah. Basketball is back this week. Y'all basketball is back. So Mamba in then out, then out again. Peace. What's up, everybody? I am Finn McKenty, host of the Punk Rock NBA podcast, part of the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. 
My podcast is all about doing what you love for a living. And every week I sit down and talk to people who have done exactly that. For example, musicians like Tommy from Between the Buried Me, Matt from Periphery, Lil Lotus and Shinigami, among many others. Photographers, artists, designers, YouTubers like Glenn Fricker and Sarah Dietschy. And I unpack exactly how they got to where they are today with the goal of helping you do the same. So if that sounds cool, you can listen and subscribe at SoundTalentMedia.com and I'll see you there. This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network.